virtual land and game items and, and these other kind of use cases were going to be much larger. But really the use case that, that originally took off in a big way was the NFT art world. And that was you know, due to Nifty Gateway and, and these other platforms. But it took me a long time to, to be convinced. Welcome back to another episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. We are back again this Monday for another episode of NFT Monday. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I've got two very special guests with me today, Andrew Steinwald and Josie Bellini, who we just recently found out are actually married and just had a baby. Congratulations, guys, by the way, on the new baby. Thank you. Thanks. It it, it, it has been like a a big journey, but we're super happy that uh, everything's going very well. I bet. I'm super impressed that you guys are able to manage that and everything you're doing in the space as well. For anybody who doesn't know, Andrew Steinwald is an investor at Spermion and the podcast host and writer of Zima Red. And Josie is a crypto artist and designer who has been making crypto art since 2017. So I'm really excited to have both of them on today to talk a little bit about NFTs and crypto art from both the perspective of a creator artist and the perspective of an investor. So before we dive into what you guys are doing in this space, tell everybody a little bit about your background and how you got exposed to crypto in the first place and and what was it that pulled you down the crypto rabbit hole. So do you want to start? So I studied finance in school. And the first time I was exposed to Bitcoin was through an extra credit um, assignment to go listen to a speaker in our auditorium talk about Bitcoin and and write a a paper on it. So that was the first time I was exposed. Um, It totally blew my mind. I was super interested. And then that went away with all the other college things I had going on. But then once I left school, I was working in private wealth management, and I kept hearing more about all of these different things. But really, until I met Andrew, we went down the rabbit hole, at least intensely together. He was doing some stuff before than I was, but his like extreme interest in it and then my previous sort of interest in it hooked me. And after that, we really, like we said on our other podcast, we started going to meetups in Chicago, started hosting a meetup. I obviously, which we can talk about more later, started creating crypto art. So from there, crypto made me an artist, which is cool. And I never looked back after that. Yeah. So my journey started in uh, 2013. I had read about Bitcoin somewhere and I immediately signed up to Coinbase, bought Bitcoin, and I had no idea what blockchain was, like what Bitcoin like even meant or what it was capable of. I just thought I could make money from it. And I did for a two week period of time. I was like, uh, I was up because I, I bought it $200, went up to a thousand. And I was like, I'm going to do this for, for the rest of my life. It's just so easy. I'm so smart. And and then obviously it popped and went right back down to 200. I sold at the very bottom and I was like, whoa, okay. I don't even know what just happened, but let me read up about blockchain. So I started diving deep into what blockchain actually was when it finally clicked. Cause it, it took a while for me to actually understand it. But when it finally did click, I was, it was like, I saw like the light. I was like, oh my gosh, this is technology that's going to radically transform almost every single industry that that I can think of, finance being the the most obvious. 
And like, I actually ended up dropping out of college. I moved to the Middle East to go work. When I was out there, I was living in Dubai at the time. And this was like a huge use case because there's salary day once a month and people lining up around the, the, the entire block, sending money back to wherever they're from. And these people are paying like five to 10% every single transaction. And they're not getting paid a ton. They're getting paid, let's call it $2,000, $3,000 a month. And they're paying the, these crazy fees to send their money back to Philippines, India, whatever. And so right away, I was like, oh my gosh, blockchain is like the best use case for solving this issue. And I, I discovered Ripple. This is in 2014. I discovered Ripple. I like completely fell in love with Ripple because like back then their whole use case was remittance. And uh, now like there's just like a one giant Ponzi. I, I have no idea what they do. But so anyhow, just stayed very interested. I tried a few startups, 2014, 2016, that related to a blockchain. Those both failed completely. 2017, as Josie mentioned, uh, that's when I, I started to dive really deep and dedicate just all my attention to the space uh, and launched a, a crypto fund. And that was a generalist crypto fund. So it's mainly focused on long, short liquid crypto assets. And and we did okay with, with that vehicle. We, we were doing well, but compared to our peers were like absolutely crushing it. And so we realized that, okay, in order for us to actually have an impact uh, in the markets and an impact on what we're actually doing, we need to focus on a certain subsector or a certain niche within crypto and, and just really be, be like the experts in that. And 2018, 2019 was not our skill set. And because uh, it's a very kind of quantitative technical skill set that didn't really suit us, but then dove deeper into NFTs uh, on the urging of Josie, really. And uh, in 2019 at NFT NYC, which is like a, the, the big NFT conference, that's when I realized, okay, wow, this is going to be the biggest market in the world for many reasons. We, we can get into that later, but that's when we decided this is what we're going to focus on full time. That's when, that's when we launched to Fermion, which is the NFT fund. Yeah. So it's interesting because neither of you really come from an art background. Like Josie, you come from finance background and Andrea tried your hand at like different things, DeFi and things before landing in NFTs. And you both um, credited each other a little bit in like how you got into NFT art. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like for you, Josie, how you transitioned from finance into becoming an artist and then also like how you guys maybe learned together or collaborated together in order to learn more about NFT art? Sure. Like I said, I was initially working in finance and when I found it or when I found crypto and I decided I wanted to work full time in it, I was going to do anything I could to get into the industry. And for me, I've always loved art growing up and I did graphic design and all this stuff on the side, but it never made sense to me to make that a full time career. I didn't think I could make a living off of it. So when I wanted to transition, I decided that there were these cool blockchain startups in Chicago. I want to be there, build all their websites, do all their graphic design. So I quit my job and started waitressing at a restaurant in West Loop and started taking a coding boot camp at Northwestern to learn to be a full stack dev. I ended up hating coding, but it just solidified everything for me of what I loved about design. So I went down the graphic design path. And I started designing um, logos, decks, websites for a ton of different blockchain and crypto companies at the time. And then eventually, I also started working with a conference to design anything visual that they needed. So that was the way I broke into started starting to work with crypto and blockchain companies. And then it just spiraled from there. Really, I before I started doing conferences and when I was doing this conference, I showed my art there. And that was the first conference I showed at was in August of 2018. And I guess to back up a little, sorry, I skipped a part, but actually creating art itself, not graphic design, that happened in 2017 was my first piece. 
And Andrew and I were talking and he was like, he actually didn't even know that I loved art and that I did art before. And he was like, what? You're an artist. I don't believe you. Like all this stuff. And I was like, no, I love it. And he was like, okay, make a piece on crypto. And I was like, yeah, actually that would be so cool. And I worked forever on this piece, Genesis, that I made in 2017 to cut out like hundreds of circles and paint, hand paint hundreds of logos and all these crazy dots. And, and that was my first piece. And then that is, I had a graphic design journey and then my art journey, but the art journey I didn't think would take off. And really it took off when Andrew said, you have to post this on Reddit. And I said, I don't have a Reddit. I didn't have one at the time. And I made one, but then you needed karma to post. And he was like, here, I want to get karma anyway. So I'll post it for you. And when he posted it, it blew up. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how do people even like this? And people were like, I want a print of it. How can I get a copy? And then that really changed everything for me. And I was like, I need to figure out how to produce these. So Andrew still wants to kill me for this, but I bought, we bought like a massive archival museum printer that we took to every house with us. And basically I've never had a couch because it was taking up all the room. And I started producing my own prints and everything. He helped me a lot along the way. And even still, we bounce ideas off of each other and we, he's a big inspiration or just even like thought board to help me with anything I'm working through with art. Okay, so I actually didn't realize that your Genesis piece was made by hand. For some reason, I thought it was like a digitally made piece, but that that's the one that was ended up at, on Christie's, right? Yeah. The Genesis one? So the NFT of it ended up on Christie's. Okay. And for me, my journey started with crypto art, which for me, crypto art specifically means art that's related to crypto. So at the time, all of my art was physical pieces. So like paintings and cutting up real US dollars and gluing them on the canvases. So everything for me was physical. And then I would get high quality reproduction photographs. And then I would print those out and sell prints of the physical pieces. So really the transition to NFTs didn't happen until later once NFTs started becoming popular and I started learning more about it. But at the time in 2017, when I started creating crypto art, the only artists that were really that I knew and that were around were crypto graffiti and coin artists who were also doing really amazing like physical works tying in crypto themes and puzzles and and graffiti and street stuff. Got it. Got it. And then what about for you, Andrew? Where do you fit into that whole story? Did you fully understand uh, like crypto art or NFTs when you were encouraging Josie to get into that stuff? Or were you like just taking a wild shot too? No. So, so yeah, to back up, like we were with each other for nine months and then I think she gets a text from one of her friends and, and her friends, Hey, Josie, thinking of you and this beautiful art that you created me years back. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, Josie, this girl is saying that, that you made this art. I, I was like, you, you didn't make this art. Cause it was like so good. And she's like, Oh yeah, no, I made that. I was like, you made this art. I was like, you made this. I was like freaking out. And I was like, dude, you have to make a piece pertaining to crypto. Cause like you're obsessed with crypto. I'm obsessed with crypto. You got to do that. And, and, yeah, and, and then she spent like countless hours hunched over like with a pen and like all, all sorts of different things, paintings and everything, creating this, the Genesis piece. And, and then, yeah, posted on Reddit, it blew up. And I, I, I already thought it was amazing. So I thought it was going to do well. It did way better than what I thought. And it was r slash cryptocurrency in 2017, which is, that was like the spot to be in 2017. And so that's when I was like, whoa, okay, there's a huge demand for people like us that are super passionate about art. And super, or super passionate about crypto, uh, but not passionate about, I wasn't passionate about art at all. Like I, I, I got into 
physical art through NFTs. And I got into like, Josie was the one who got me just in, in art just in general, like as a concept, because I thought it was like, who cares? I wasn't, was very unenthused. but basically, yeah, after she posted that, that, that blew up. She, she kept making physical pieces of art. And she mentioned that big printer followed us around like every apartment that we'd go to. We literally did, I, if we could show photos, that'd be crazy. Cause we lived in like a 500 square foot apartment uh, together and we didn't have a couch. Like we just had a huge printer and we had these two like big stools for like a counter and we would eat all of our meals there and like, do all of our work there. And it was super uncomfortable. We did that for like a year. Anyhow. Yeah. So when CryptoKitties came out in 2017, Josie was the one who was like, Hey, this is so cool. We should buy these and start breeding them. And she, she was doing that. And I, I, I dabbled, but I wasn't like, I thought I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting, but nothing too crazy. Just like cats like on the blockchain. Uh, but Josie, she knew that this was something more special. And then she started to dive deeper and she, she was telling me like throughout 2018, this is important. This is important. This is something big. And I was just like, no, it's, it's, this is not even, it's not interesting. Tell so, me to pitch him on it. He'd be like, pitch me on it. I wasn't convinced. It wasn't until, uh, for me at least, go, her convincing me to go to NFTMIC in February 2019. That's when everything clicked. I was like, oh my gosh, this is literally going to be the future. But yeah, it wasn't until after that. And, and also in 2019, February 2019, even when I realized NFTs were going to be a thing, I didn't think NFTs, NFT art was going to be a thing. I thought like, virtual land and game items and, and these other kind of use cases were going to be much larger. But really the use case that, that, that originally took off in a big way was the NFT art world. And that was you know, due to Nifty Gateway and, and these other platforms. But it took me a long time to, to be convinced. Most people listening, I think, first got exposed to NFTs maybe in 2021 when NFTs really blew up and at the start of the year. So for everybody listening who hadn't been in NFTs and crypto art since 2017, like you guys, Tell everybody what, I guess, what that journey has looked like. So what was the crypto art scene like back in 2017? I think that was before there was really even this like word NFT that had been made. Like people were calling it different, all, all different sorts of things. So what has that progression been like from when you guys first got into that space until today? For me, when... I first got in, like I said, really the only other artists that I had heard of and that were like legends was crypto graffiti and coin artist. So for me, I really looked up to them right away. And in 2018 of August, when I was showing all of my physical works at a conference in Chicago called Voice of Blockchain, I actually met coin artist and she was amazing. She was like, I love your work. I'm obsessed with you. I'm going to... Paris in two months to go show at a gallery with Pascal for crypto art. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was like super small and word of mouth. And I ended up, we both ended up going to Paris and doing the show. And it was a really small show. And I think we did it for the 10 year Bitcoin anniversary. And it was, it was amazing. Like it was still such a small, it's still a small community, but before it was really small, a small community who are all so passionate about art and about crypto and having something tangible that could represent their journeys. So it was this really special sort of combination of all of those things into artwork and everyone was enjoying it. And it was totally different. And really when I started going to a lot of conferences to show my work and I would just ask them, hey, I'm an artist. I make crypto specific artwork. I want to come to the conference and, and show my art and sell prints. And they were like, sure, okay. And they would put me up in like a 
some random hallway because they didn't have much space, put me up in some hallway and be like, here's a table set up if you want. And half the time I would have to find my own table or a chair and steal it from some other room. So it definitely wasn't something that was like celebrated or big, but those conferences and meeting people in person were some of the highlights of my whole entire journey in the space. Being able to meet collectors that are connecting with your work on such a special level that they want to own it and hang it in their home. That was really amazing. And after that, a lot of things, obviously, especially with COVID, went purely online. So I couldn't meet as many collectors in person, but then finding other ways to connect with them was important. Starting my Discord channel, starting my show behind the art and and kind of bringing other artists and collectors all in one space to to uh, chat and, and discover other things was really important. So that's a little bit of how the art journey has turned to me. And once NFTs became a part of the picture, obviously a lot more of that is digital, but the community is still the number one most important thing, just like it was with physical. But we can connect with our community in a little bit more of a different way now. Yeah, what about for you, Andrew? Did you have much of the same experience or did you have like different experiences and different perspectives as more from the investor side? Yeah, I wasn't, as a firm, we don't have a lot of exposure to direct NFT art. We have exposure to collectibles and gaming assets and virtual land and stuff like that. But just as a firm, we don't focus on that asset subtype right now or that submarket. That's going to change in the future, but just for now, that's not how it is. Personally, I started to get more interested in art as like just a concept even in from being in the NFT space. And what was funny in like 2019, 20, 2020, it was the same, I don't know, thousand people on Discord, on the you know, the same Discord channels, all kind of trading with each other, talking to each other. And it was really, it really felt like a small community of people. And I, I made a ton of really good friends during that period of time, which is weird because I haven't met most of them in, in real life. And yeah, NFT art was like this, that popular up until more volume entered the space. And I think it was October or no, November of 2019. And I could be wrong here. It could have been maybe, yeah, 2019, I believe, where if you look at the, the trade volume, I think you can see on like Dune Analytics, the trade volume on Super Rare, it was like, it was pretty low. Like it was, I was going to say it's respectable, but it was actually like very low. So it hadn't taken off really in, in a major way. And then I attribute Whale Shark, and I know some people don't like this fact or, or idea that I attribute this, but Whale Shark came into the space and he, he's a really big collector. And uh, he started bidding like triple or like double what everyone else was bidding on art on Super Rare. And suddenly we're talking $5,000, $10,000, whereas before it was going for like maybe a grand, like that would be like like two grand. And so that was a big moment where people were like, whoa, first of all, who is this guy? Second of all, NFT art is is like a hot, cool thing. And he was picking up Pox and Hakataos and all these kind of big name artists that that we know of today. But they were just the kind of the early people in the space that were passionate creating these pieces. And before that, it wasn't really about the money. And even at the time, it wasn't really about the money. It, it, I'd say 2021, it's about the money. But before that, it was really about the this community, this vibe that, hey, we're all going to build something together. This is going to be the future and there's more grassroots. And I, I even named my, my podcast Zima Red after there's an episode of this TV show called Love Death Robots. It's called Zima Blue. And basically the whole story about this episode is that uh, this the most famous artist in the world foregoes all of his fame and fortune to do what he loves, which is cleaning a pool. So he's like a pool cleaner or he was, and, and he doesn't care about the money and just really love, follows his passion. So that's like why I named it Zima. So I was like, no one's making money. It's all about people just doing what they love, which is like trading NFTs, build, building stuff in NFTs, creating cre- these creations. 
and, and the big money hadn't really entered in yet. Yeah, I'd say that the market has expanded dramatically since that point, obviously, especially 2021, it's gotten huge. But I still do think that there's like these little pockets of communities that you can enter into and you can meet really cool people and become actually form relationships and become friends with them, which is still very cool. That's such a weird concept that because when I first saw this, I was like, this is a great market. We want to be in this market. And then I ended up like making friends. It wasn't like that wasn't like my objective, but it happened by accident. So yeah, I just think that the NFTR market now is just absolutely um, amazing. And like the growth has been incredible. I do wish it was more. I feel like there's a lot of price talk. I do wish it was a little more focused on like the art of it, so like kind of the process and more of like the context. But overall, no, I, I can't complain. It's, it's super exciting. Yeah, plus one to the community aspect. I was the same way. Did not expect to get into crypto to make friends, but it's definitely turned into a lot of that. And going to the in-person conferences whenever COVID allows has definitely strengthened a lot of those internet friendships that I've made just on Twitter over time. So Josie, looking ahead to the future, where do you see NFT art headed in 2022 and even beyond? I think it's interesting because NFT art it's not just in the category of like just just typical art. There's gaming that has art. There's so many different types of assets that have art. And I think that music, AI, like we'll start to see so many more different types of NFTs that are including art in a really special way. We've already seen like a lot of different generative art. I'm sure we'll see more of that. And just people iterating and just going experimenting and tying themselves I've seen stuff where people tie their own, their personal bodies like into NFTs and and different things you can do with it. So I'm sure we'll see more of that. But really, it's right now, it's all about the creators. And and I, I think we will see more of personalities creating NFTs like YouTubers, Instagram people and people who have their whole community based off of following a person, following the different kinds of brands they wear or food they eat or whatever, we'll see a lot of that turn into the NFT economy and a lot of people supporting them through that way. I think there's a lot of different things we can also experiment with. The possibilities are endless and I can't even think of all of them right now, but I think we're just gonna see it get bigger and bigger and see more creators take ownership of their communities and really connect with them in a deeper way through NFTs. Yeah. And Andrew, where do you see NFTs headed like beyond just NFT arcs? I know you are so deep into NFTs and like gaming and other types of NFTs beyond just art. Where do you see that headed in 2022 and beyond? Yeah. So over like broadly, a lot more experimentation, which I think is very good. Like in the early stages of any market, you want people just like trying everything out, winging it and just making things that might be stupid, but are still exciting and just like throwing it all at the wall. And I think that out of that process, like that pure, like creative process comes some really cool stuff and interesting stuff. And that's where we are now. And I hope that we're, we're in there in that period for the next couple of years, actually. But yeah, as Josie was mentioning, just about the functionality of art, it's like expanding. It's like people are using their past, the, the past owners of the art. They're like rewarding uh, their past owners with more pieces, or this now acts as a ticket to enter this private discord or like this conference or whatever. And I think that the additional functionality into NFTs broadly is very exciting and introduces more mechanisms to hopefully like figure out some sort of fair valuation uh, of, of the assets. Um, not that like art needs a fair valuation for what we do, gaming assets and virtual assets like that. We, we try to come up with some sort of fair valuation. So I'd say that that's where we're headed. Just a lot more experimentation, a lot more craziness. And the markets right now brought like 
the main big markets are collectibles, art, gaming assets, and virtual land. And these are all unregulated markets. That's why NFTs could enter very quickly and thrive in, in these markets. But where we're going to go in five, 10 years from now is going to be property titles, insurance contracts, derivative contracts, like all sorts of heavy duty use cases that are very regulated markets. And the reason that NFTs haven't entered those today, they could technically and really start to innovate there. But the reason that they haven't is because there's so many of these pre-existing power structures in place that like don't want necessarily a lot of innovation there. Because if you got rid of the property title kind of system and replaced it with NFTs, that would cause a lot of people to you know, lose their jobs and, and issues there. It would create new jobs, but it would also you know, cause issues with the current structure. I think that, yeah, I think that NFTs will continue to thrive in unregulated markets. And there's going to be a lot more experimentation, a lot more coolness, a lot more weirdness. And then in the future, we're going to we're going to enter like NFTs will basically represent all forms of value, whether it be physical value, whether it be digital value. NFTs will, will do it, do it all very bullish on the long term kind of growth prospects of, of, of NFTs. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the point about NFTs could potentially make a lot of people lose their jobs, although it will create new ones as well. What do you guys see as some of the biggest like points of failure that we might see with NFTs that could potentially lead to its dis- demise and that we should watch out for. I don't know if you guys saw Prof G's recent blog post like criticizing Web3. One of his criticisms was that if you look at like the market right now, it's 2% of people own like uh, an astronaut, like 90% of NFTs or some really big percentage. So this, even though we're talking a lot about decentralization and putting ownership and power more into the hands of the creators, it appears that this is was one of his criticisms in his article. It appears that we're just like going back to the same systems, centralized systems that we had before. So from your views, I'd love to hear like both of your perspectives. What do you see as some of the potential pitfalls, things that could go wrong with how this develops if we're not careful, if we don't like intentionally try to fight these obstacles? Like what do you see as some of those things? So also talking about like the total number of NFTs is not a, an accurate measure of the market because like NFTs are user generated assets. Anyone can go online and create NFTs. I can create 10 billion NFTs for myself. And therefore suddenly, oh, one person has 10 billion NFTs. So that's not a very accurate measure of the centralization of the ecosystem. I'd say it's more of the infrastructure and that is concerning. But also keep in mind, like 99.99% of the people in the world did not know about NFTs until January of 2021. So like literally 12 months ago, we're still super, super early in this market. And there's going to be a lot of things to figure out, especially like the core infrastructure. So you know, the, the asset metadata, the hosting of the image or whatever, let's say you have an image of some cool samurai, but it's hosted on Amazon servers. That's cool that you own that asset in that virtual world, in that game or whatever. But also if the Amazon servers go down or if like the company that issued that asset stops paying for the hosting, then you're just left with a token with no image. So that's something that we need to figure out. And people are creating solutions to that like you have Arweave, which is decentralized storage and Filecoin as well. And then on top of that, for so that's one point of centralization that people are creating have created solutions for and they're getting better. It's going to take some years, but it's getting better. And then you have uh, on, on the other side, it's like compute, because if you're playing some game, you need like compute power to, to operate that game. And you have Golem and you have render and, and, and things like that. And so these are decentralized compute solutions. Again, super, super early. It's going to take some time for those to be so like as robust enough to support like a World of Warcraft, but it, it already exists and it does work. It's, it's still early days, but like, so people have identified these issues of like, the centralization 
and figured out solutions for them. But th- that being said, not everything needs to be completely decentralized. I think that for, for me, it really comes down to people need to have property rights. They, they need to have secure ownership of their stuff. As long as it's secure and the issuing entity cannot steal that or take it away from you in any way, that is the kind of the bar for me for a lot of use cases. For stuff like DeFi, you want like full decentralization because that's like dealing with money and it's very serious. Uh, well, it's, it's more serious than this game and like you have your you know, Neopet or whatever. If, if your image of your Neopet goes down for a little bit, that's okay. If it goes down permanently, that sucks, but you don't want someone seizing your assets. That, that's the most important. That, that is my, my rebuttal to uh, potential dangers of the current NFT ecosystem, but we have solutions and people are working on them. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything Andrew said. And I definitely also agree that we do need something centralized, like even still like logging in, making a MetaMask and logging in and buying Ethereum and transferring all of that is still pretty cumbersome and can be if people aren't educated properly, someone could accidentally send an NFT somewhere and it it that's it sent to the wrong address and it's gone. So I definitely think with these sort of criticisms around the space, like we do have a job as a community to educate people that are coming into the space about how to properly do diligence projects they're buying into, how to properly load their wallets and, and send NFTs. So I do think that we have a lot education still to give to newcomers or even people who are already here. But I think that, like Andrew said, we're still so early on in the space. A lot of that will come as we grow. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree with that too. So I'd love to have the listeners like learn a little bit more about the personal projects you're working on. Josie, I just saw you recently announced some plans for cyber brokers and digging through your Discord, I also found something called, I think, Mirrorware, if I'm not mistaken. Can you tell us a little bit more about those projects? Sure. Cyber brokers, we just announced that it is launching February 22nd. We've been working on it for so long, but I'm super, super excited about it. The I'm like freaking honored that the team I have wanted to work with me on it. We have Ben and co-founder of Blockade Games, and then also Chris, who is just a legend in himself. And they've been basically doing in crypto since before Ethereum even existed. So they are total badasses. And we've basically figured out it's a 10,001 art collectible. It's all the art is entirely stored on chain on Ethereum. And Andrew was saying before a lot of NFTs, the images are stored on all these servers. And if they go down, um, they can just go away. And then you're left with an empty NFT. With cyber brokers, we were able to build, when I say we, I say Ben, (laughs) was able to build a really amazing compressor and decompressor where we're actually I did all of the art and SVGs, which means it can be translated to code. And every single piece of the art is actually stored on Ethereum. It's the first of its kind that's this robust. We've seen like Avagachi, Avastars stored on chain. So it's definitely taking the next level up and we're so excited about it. We have so much behind it with, we have a whole storyline going. We have 51 different talents, which are like their different jobs in the world. So we're super excited about that. And then Mirrorware, I can't talk as much about, but Mirrorware will definitely, Mirrorware is launching after Cyber Brokers and we'll be working on that. But it is going to be a limited edition digital goods brand. So fashion and and all sorts of different things within Mirrorware. So cool. That's huge with Cyber Brokers that all the artists sort on chain too. That's like super impressive, especially for a collection as big as 
the one that you guys have. So Thank I'm excited you. for that to drop and I'm excited to see what MirrorWare is. And then Andrew, for you, what projects are like most excite you out there right now? Like which NFT projects? And then also what projects would you like to see be created in the future that you would love to invest in? It's a really good question. Yeah. Okay. So at Sephirmion, we invest in NFT infrastructure broadly, but we also, we're also very active investors in kind of the NFT gaming space, just because we, we have this thesis essentially that NFT games or crypto games, whatever you want to call them, they're essentially customer acquisition platforms where people will go there and play this fun game. And then over time, this game will build infrastructure, which then they can productize to the broader community. And we think that's, it's like a Trojan horse to better infrastructure in some sense, instead of going out and saying, okay, we're going to build like the best wallet. Okay, we'll build a fun game and then build the best wallet for you. And then you open that up to, to the broader community. And, and we saw that with, with Axie. They have their own marketplace. They have their own wallet. They have their own decks. They have their own sidechain and in which they're productizing their own sidechain, which is at launch, it's going to be like the second most used, most used sidechain in, in the world, which is like super cool. And yeah, I, I think that, so basically if you're doing anything NFT and you're raising like the seed, reach out, ping me at, at, you know, on Twitter and DM me. But what we'd love to see is it's tough because we're seeing so many incredibly smart people and experts in, in their specific domains, whether they're in art, whether they're collectibles, whether they're gaming, whatever, they're entering the space and building out products, which is incredible. But I think better onboarding. I just feel like we, and this has been an issue forever, but just wallets, like wallets are not great just because you have MetaMask and then you have to do the seed phrase and then it's, you have to go get the Ethereum on Coinbase and you have to sign up for Coinbase and that takes forever. So I don't know the solution. I wish I did. I, and, and I've talked to so many people about what would be the ideal solution and everyone has different ideas, but just I want to bring, so Nifty Gateway and NBA Top Shot. If you look at like what made NFTs really take off, it was those two platforms initially because they're centralized and they allow username, password and enter your credit card. So that is like a great user experience and great for onboarding the masses. And all those people from NBA Top Shot and Nifty Gateway, they, they fell in love with the art, they fell in love with the, the collectibles. Then they dove deeper into, into the rabbit hole and learned about MetaMask and all this stuff. So I think that was like a, a really telling case for, for us is that, okay, create a great centralized product and then um, offer the, the road to decentralization. So if you want to pull your stuff out of NBA Top Shot, I, I think I actually you can't quite yet, but a nifty gateway, you can withdraw your assets. It's totally uh, decentralized if you want to do that. I think kind of solutions like that, build something great that has a great user experience and then introduce or spoon feed people into full decentralization over time. Not that like full decentralization is like the, the end all be all, but just for, for us, it's like that represents the strongest property rights. Therefore, that is like the best. Yeah, I, I think all that stuff you're saying, I think that's coming this year or pretty soon. I've just like spoken to enough people who've said the exact same thing you've said. This is a huge problem. People rec like everyone I think recognizes now that this is a problem. And I think people are working on it. So I, I think this might be the year that we solve. It's been this. coming it's been coming this year since twenty seventeen. So hopefully this <laughs> is the year. But I, I hear it. I've heard it for a while. We'll see. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see how it plays out. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on. I don't know if you know this, but this season of the podcast, we're ending every episode with a quick little game called This or That. So basically, I'll say two words like A or B, this or that, and you just tell me which one you prefer. It's really fast, rapid fire, no explanation needed. So I've got 10 sets of words here, and we'll just start everyone. We'll start with Josie. Josie can say your answer, and then Andrew for each one, okay? This, 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 or that. That, that. So first one is Web3 or crypto? 
Web3. Web3. Ethereum or Bitcoin? Ethereum. Bitcoin. Ooh. Discord or Telegram? Discord. Discord. Bear market or bull market? Bull market, for sure. Okay. NFTs or crypto art? Crypto art. Print or digital? Decentraland or crypto voxels? Voxels. Creating or collecting? Creating. Collecting. Babies or kittens? Kittens. <laughs> kittens. That's bad. We, oh my we gosh, just had a baby. How do you say that, Josie? Come on. I love our baby, but also. Hopefully, our he never are... hears this episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's not good. <laughs> okay, I have one more for you crypto or kitty? Oh. Yeah, I know you have two cats called Crypto Kitty. Okay, if I say one, will you say the other? Yeah. Hey, no, no collusion here. <laughs> um, okay, I'll say Kitty. Crypto. I knew. I, 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 I was gonna say Crypto anyway. So I knew. So. I knew. Yeah. So I had to say Kitty. All right, congrats, guys, on finishing the game. That was pretty smooth. I was like, this could potentially result in some fights post podcast, but I feel like you're pretty aligned in your answers. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> Last thing before you go, tell people where they can find you if, you know, they're curious to learn more or they want to connect with you. And then feel free to plug any projects you'd like as well. And Josie, you can start. My Twitter is definitely the the best way, at Josie Bellini. And then I also have linked in my bio my Substack newsletter, which has all the updates on cyber brokers. That's where everything goes first. And then my Discord channel is also linked there which this extension is just slash Josie, which will have all of my projects live in that Discord. And we do puzzles, like join voice chat and I'll I'll talk. So it'll be really fun if anyone hops in there and and joins the community. For me, I'd say Twitter is the best. My Twitter's Andrew Steinwald. And yeah, if you're raising for any sort of NFT startup, pre-seed, seed, please DM me and uh, love to chat and learn about your project. Awesome. Thanks again, guys, so much. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. And we'll be back again soon with another episode of Down the Rabbit Hole. Crypto makes no sense at first when you're trying to learn. And you need help when you're barreling down the rabbit hole. The only way out is through. The only way to learn is to do. We're here to guide you.